the Parashat Karach has a backstory. Uh, we've uh, spoken about this in the past, but it's, a, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thought and a beautiful midrashim that the story is seemingly about Kairach and it's about Moshe Rabbeinu and that whole uprising and rebellion, but Chazal tell us there was a backstory. There were two women that were really the impetus behind the story, both behind Kairach and behind uh, one of his followers who eventually backed out, whose name was Ayman Pelas. <clears throat> Ayman Pelas was uh, Shevet Ruven. He's named right in the beginning. Uh, and then, when it comes to who was swallowed and who was burned, his name is mysteriously missing, and the Torah doesn't tell us why his name is missing. The Torah doesn't say anything. But Chazal tell us, and Chazal say that Ayn backed out, and he withdrew from the rebellion, and therefore he was saved. But why? So the Gemara comes to a Pasuk in Mishle. The Pasuk in Mishle says, Chachmas Nashon Bansa Besa, famous Pasuk, the wisdom of women built up their house, the Velas, then a foolish woman, Biyodotarasana, can destroy it with her, with her hands. So the first part of the Pasuk, the Gemara says, is referring to the wife of Ayn Ben Pelas, who saved, ultimately was the one who convinced him to back out of this rebellion and saved him. And the second part is referring to the wife of Kairach, who was actually the one who instigated him to start this rebellion. And the Gemara explains, Rav said, Ayman Pelas was saved by his wife. She said to him, why are you getting involved in this? Is what do you benefit? What does it matter to you? If Maisha wins, you're not in charge, and if Kairach wins, you're not in charge. What are you doing this for? What do you have from this? So he replied, but what am I supposed to do? They have, I've have taken part in like the whole rebellion. I was part of the original instigators, and I swore to be a part of it. What am I supposed to do now? So she, she said, I know that they're holy people, essentially. Stay here, and I will take care of you. I'll save you. So what did she do? She gave him wine. She intoxicated him. He went to sleep. And then she sat down at the entrance of her tent, and she some, loosened her hair, so something equivalent to uh, taking her shaitl off. And whoever came to summon him saw her and immediately retreated, didn't want to go get see or go close to her when she wasn't dressed properly. So she effectively saved his life. He couldn't do anything because he had sworn, so she came up with this loophole where he won't do anything, she intoxicated him, and she effectively figured out a way that he can get out of it. Meanwhile, Kairach's wife joined the rebels, and she said to them, look, look what Maish Rabbeinu did. He himself became a king. His brother, he appointed the Kayan Gadol. His brother's son, he made Kahanim. Is tr- if Trum is, bo- is brought, he decrees, let it be for the Kayan. If Meiser is, bro- is brought, which belongs to you, the Levium, he says, give a tenth to the Kayan. And he had your hair cut off, that's last in Parashat Midbar, and he makes sport of you, because he's jealous of your hair. Then Kairach said, well, Meiser Rabbeinu was Levi too, he also cut off all his hair. So she said, yeah, he's figured like, Thomas Nafshiyam Plishtim, let everybody uh, go down with me. So it seems that Karach was egged on by his wife to rebel. And we don't know what exactly her motivation was. Why did she want him to rebel? But that Chazal tell us that she egged him on to rebel. But there is a fascinating Arachayim, and it's also quoted from the Benishchai, who give us a little bit of insight. What was it that caused her to spur, uh, spur uh, Karach to rebellion? It says like this, it says that Chazal tells us that Kairach was one of the wealthiest people who ever lived. And his wife was adorned with all the jewels and precious metals and clothing a woman could possibly dream of. And she had a following of women that looked up to her, that, uh, that, that worshipped her. Now she ridiculed Tzipira, the wife of Maisha Rabbeinu, saying, look what kind of life my husband, Kairach, has provided for me, and look what kind of life your husband, 
has provided for you. He doesn't give you, he has nothing for you. So Tzipar ignored her, saying that my husband provided the whole of Klal Yisrael with the Tyra, and it's called by his name, Tyra's Meisha. So she ignored her. Now, when, when Hashem commanded Meisha Rabbeinu to make the Luchais, the Luchais were made out of a very precious stone called San Perina. We don't know exactly what stone it was, but apparently the most precious, uh, uh, precious, uh, precious stones that there are is the most valuable one. So he, Kaddish Baruch Hu showed Moshe Rabbeinu how to extract it from the earth. He extracted it. He formulated. He created the luchais, the second ones, and from the 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 chips, you know, what fell off from after chiseling out the luchais, um, Hashem said, "Keep those, and that you'll be wealthy as a result of keeping the rest of the stone." So he didn't know what to do with it. So he gave them to Tzipira, and Tzipira brought it to. Uh, Ahaliyav, who had worked on the Mishkan, he figured that you know, he knew how to work with precious uh, metals and precious jewels. So Ahaliyav recognized them for their true worth and was astounded and awed by their beauty and value. And he fashioned either a bracelet or a ring. He fashioned a piece of jewelry for Tzipira, which now Tzipira wore. And now all the women who followed Tzipira to see her otherworldly bracelet or, or ring, she had this piece of jewelry that was so one in a, one of a kind, there was nothing in the world that it could even come close. Moshe now had become the richest man alive, and his wife had become the most richly adorned woman that there ever lived. The wife of Kairach was not crestfallen. And she was inflamed and complained to her husband. This is what this was writes. They complained to her husband that you don't give me anything. <laughs> I have nothing to wear. So the Rashi explains to us that Kairach's seemingly holy justifications to, re- to rebel, which the Pasik says, Rashi himself writes that Kairach had a, an inkling, a small, tiny, somewhere on the bottom of all that justification, there was a personal. He was jealous. He wanted to have been appointed the Nasi of Shevet Levi, and instead his cousin had been appointed. So there was a an iota of jealousy, and that because of that, all the justifications and all the seemingly holy reasons came as a result of that. And now we see that he was spurred on to that by nothing less than jealousy as well. His wife as well had an element of jealousy, and perhaps by her also, a very holy woman, she was married to a very holy man, Kairach. She, it was a, very small, perhaps, very slight, but it was there, and as a result, it clouded her judgment, it clouded his judgment, and she caused him to, to uh, rebel as, as, a, as a result. So it's, it's just a fascinating comparison and contrast that Chazal make. The power of any person, really, to to uh, be so affected by personal vendetta, by personal negius, by, by your your own your, what you want, your own our own character traits that really are the things that determine what we do, and we create mountains of justifications based on those tiny little negative character traits. And then we see that if a person means l'shem shemaim, they can always find a way. Ibn Pallas's wife. His, he was really stuck. He made a shavua. He, he was in it with them. He didn't know how to extract himself. Her brilliance wasn't the way that she said, okay, what do you gain? Moshe's in charge. Karak's in charge. That wasn't the brilliance. The brilliance was the way she figured out a way to extract him. She said, leave it up to me and I'll get you out of this. She intoxicated him and then she drove everybody away. She figured out the way to get him out of it, whereas Karak, the wife, did the opposite. She pushed him into it, suffering from the same character uh, trait as uh, that that he did last thing i just want to mention is um 
that it says a fascinating thing. There's a sefer of the Ramami Panu, very, very early Akron. He writes a lot about Gulgulim. And he writes that the the wife of Ayn Ben Pelas was Nizgalgal after she passed away, and her neshama came back in the mother of Shimshon Hagibar, Eishas Menayah. She came back as, as the, the mother of Shimshon Hagibar. So I saw pointed out by uh, Rosh Weiss, beautifully, he, uh, Diane Weiss, I'm sorry, who says that... Uh, he says that it, it, it's so fitting that she used wine and her here to save Ayn Palace and extract him from the, from, from the whole rebellion. And then she had a son who was a Nazir who made holy his here and didn't drink wine. So it's, uh, it was very fitting that that was, her, that was her payment, so to speak, in the Kedusha of a Nazir that she had, the most famous Nazir who ever lived, Shemshin Hagibar. Have a, a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.